Okay, welcome back to Ride On. Uh, I'm here with Micah Toll, who I think for all of you that are in the micromobility space and read reviews every day, um, you definitely have come across Micah's work if you don't know him um, from his YouTube channels as well. Um, Micah, a day day out, is of course on electric, writing uh, amazing reviews of all types of micromobility vehicles from, of course, the latest in electric bikes to uh, Micah actually gets a hold of like the most interesting, you know, golf cart neighborhood electric style vehicles as well from China um, that I think he's the first to always see and I'm jealous of. Um, so yeah, welcome, Micah Toll. It's great to have you uh, on the show. Thank you for inviting me, James. It's great to be here. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to bring Micah on because um, there's been some, uh, uh, unfortunately, some tragic incidents recently of uh, electric bike deaths here in the United States, and that is that has been getting some even some national attention. Um, and specifically, that attention uh, has been coming from the New York Times, who has has put out a couple of articles recently on electric bike deaths. Um, one of those deaths was. Um, someone dying in uh, NCS, California, which is where I live and what we talk a lot about, um, the, the kind of area of, of Southern California, um, where there is a lot of, of micromobility uh, adoption and e-bike uh, proliferation. And uh, the, the New York Times piece um, was, was a piece that unfortunately we felt like, I felt like it, it took a, a really hard stance on kids riding e-bikes and on the idea that we were going to blame the, the victim uh, the unfortunate tragedy of a, of a of a young man who 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 died on his electric bike versus like trying to look at the bigger problem. And just as I was trying to write my notes down, Micah, you came out with an amazing piece. I thought really um, rebutting the New York Times piece. So maybe if you could for the audience, I'd love for you just to t talk a little bit about that piece and what you're trying to accomplish and pointing out some of the the failures of the New York Times piece. Sure, absolutely. So I. I'm glad to see that there is a conversation starting around safety. It's it's unfortunate though that the conversation has sort of taken this this turn towards victim blaming that we saw in multiple articles from the New York Times, where instead of looking at the situation where we've unfortunately seen so many accidents between e-bikes and cars, and saying, you know, how could we improve the situation, and focusing on what is actually killing e-bike riders, instead the conversation appears to have shifted so far towards why are e-bikes dangerous, which I do not think is inherently true at all. If anything, I would argue that they are much safer as lighter machines that have uh, a significantly lower impact on everyone on the road. And to, to me, it was just simply egregious to see the these articles go this direction. It's like if someone were, were mugged on the subway and we said, you know, well, why were you walking around with a wallet instead of how can we make the subway safer? kind of thing. It's just kind of blew my mind that this was the direction that, that uh, you know, uh, major thinkers, major publications were going with this. And it, there are so many options out there when we really look at road safety from, you know, improving the way roads are built. You know, every 20 to 30 years, roads are, are redesigned, reconstructed. And it's, it's so easy to say, all right, let's go in and design this for different users of the road instead of saying, let's redo this just for cars. And on, on roads like where that uh, poor boy was killed in Encinitas, that would have made such a big difference to have protected bike lanes. But, you know, there, there are so many other things to look at here. I know that, that you and I have talked about um, this idea of enforcement, that a lot of traffic violations uh, go unenforced. There's a lot of distracted driving out there that, you know, it would be so easy to put um, traffic police out there citing people for, for being on their cell phones because 
much of the time, these uh, crashes between cars and bikes, they're not malicious. Sure, there are some drivers out there who harbor ill will towards cyclists, but the vast majority of them are distracted drivers. You know, they're not setting out to, to hit or kill a, a bicyclist. And so to, to target all of this distracted driving, I think would also be a major part of this conversation. And yet somehow we keep coming back to this idea of why are e-bikes dangerous, which I simply think is, is incorrect at its foundation. Uh, yeah, well said. So I, a couple of things there. One, I just want to call out a, a sentence here from your article, which is so good, which was, um, you know, of course, after, after there was the tragic death, um, you know, there was also another, uh, collision that occurred with a BMW that where they had to pull a kid out from underneath the BMW who was, uh, who, who survived that, but against a, a very uh, terrible, act, uh, terrible collision. Um, and you, you wrote here, a parent praises lauded on Encinitas for soon afterward declaring a state of emergency for e-bikes, which is a bit like saying we could just solve the school shooting crisis if kids would stop walking into all those damn bullets. Um, which God, that was so well said, sort of similar to your subway analogy earlier. Um, what is it, what do you think it is about vehicles where clearly I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here in Encinitas, there's a lot of kids on e-bikes. There's a lot of kids that goof around on e-bikes. They do wheelies, they, you know, they ride on sidewalks sometimes. And as a driver, clearly you see that you think, oh, these kids are, are acting bad. It's dangerous. I'm in a car. Why can't they, why can't they be like me? And at the same time, like I have all the collision data, you know, you can get all the collision data for California, for all of the United States via you know, open source databases. What's clear is there's way more violence that occurs in cars, around cars. Um, but people, again, I know people in Encinitas as an example, or people that laud the praise on Encinitas for cracking down on e-bikes, like these are good people. They're rational people. Why do they think e-bikes are the problem? Like, what do you think this is culturally where people don't realize it's the cars that are the problem? I'm just, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's just this sort of inertia that people have in their minds that cars exist. It's what they've known to them. It's what roads are for. And bicyclists are seen as, you know, an incursion on the road to many people, not because they outwardly have any, you know, ill will in their minds towards cyclists, but just that they see the status quo of roads for cars as the way it's it's meant to be. It's the way it's been since they've grown up. And and it's the way that it sort of should be in their minds. And so to me, I think that's what's sort of poisoning this conversation is that they don't see the way the law is written in that cyclists are treated just as any other motor vehicle on the road in terms of access. Instead, they see it as like, yeah, okay, we let them on there into our space. And I think that's what's really, you know, sort of unfortunately misguiding a lot of the policymakers. Um, and to your point about, you know, you often see a lot of these kids sort of bringing a bad name to, to e-biking or just regular bikes, you know, popping wheelies, riding on the sidewalk, stuff like that. First of all, I think that there should be enforcement for, for cyclists and e-bikes as well. You know, there are rules of the road that apply to us on bikes. And, you know, if we're riding outside the law, I think that that should be an issue as well. But at the same time, as long as kids are riding legally, when I see them popping wheelies, I think that's awesome. And if anything, it demonstrates that they're vehicle control compared to a lot of drivers that certainly don't have the same control or awareness of their own vehicle. So I don't see that, you know, as a problem at all. I see the more kids are out on bikes, getting practice on the road and being more aware of their vehicle, all the better. And I, I should also give you credit, you know, in terms of 
of you know you being outspoken about uh, about e-bikes and others being regulated. I know um, here and again here in California, there's a there's a bill up for um, actually making e-bikes e-bikes uh, require a license uh, if if they're underage. And I know you you wrote an article where you you basically agreed with it. That's Tasha Bonner's bill, who's actually um, she's the San Diego County um, uh, Congresswoman. She's proposed that bill. And as far as I know, you are supportive of that. From what I saw in reading your article, when you 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 published that piece, that was probably that was all of you know three weeks ago. This is all looking pretty quickly. But um, as far as I can tell, you, I, I I'm not sure if I support that bill, but I'd be curious uh, to hear to hear why you do and why you think that would be important to pass. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think an important point uh, about that bill, like you mentioned, that it, it only would require a driver's license for e-bikers when they don't already have a, a car driver's license. So it's basically for anyone who hasn't gone through driver training. And to me, I know this is an unpopular opinion in, in some cycling circles, but to me it makes sense because if someone is going to be uh, operating on the road, then I think that they should have been trained in the rules of the road. You know, simple things like, you know, green light go, red light stop is ingrained in everyone's mind, whether they took driver's education or not, you know, whether they've ever driven a car. But there are a lot of other nuances involved with right of way, turning, with looking, with blind spots, all of this stuff that if you haven't taken driver's ed or you haven't driven a car, you may not be aware of, especially, you know, just the perspective of someone who's driven a car, knowing that there are areas that you can't see around you or knowing to make eye contact with drivers, that sort of thing. If you've never had this type of training, that it's something that you'd be operating on the road without any idea. of, And it's interesting because I, I did get a lot of pushback from that. And a lot of people said, you know, you shouldn't make kids go through um, licensing courses just because they don't have a driver's license. If they're going to ride an e-bike, that's something the parents should teach them. Well, I, I can tell you there are a lot of parents driving out there that shouldn't be on the road. So I'm not sure that this is one of the things that we should entrust to parents. You know, there, there are plenty of educational things that we have regulated, you know, that there's a reason that parents aren't required to teach math and science to their kids that we have professionals do it. And so I think if you're going to have a 16 year old on the road, that's never learned the rules of the road, that a simple e-bike driver's license is the correct way to yeah, go. Yeah. Okay. And I think that I respect that. I respect that opinion. And, and I think maybe even as part of this, what I would love to see is, should we be rewriting, you know, I, you know, should, should driving in general just be something that's a little bit more of a, of a, of a privilege that can be provoked, right? I think it's it's pretty easy to get a driver's license. It's pretty easy to keep your driver's license. You can you can do make multiple 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 infractions in in things that are, are very deadly to yourself and other people, and and still be driving. So yeah, I, I mean, as part of this, I'd love to see California. Um, you know, I don't think the driver's license test has changed at all over the years. Clearly, there's a lot more vehicles on the on the road than there was back in the day, including a lot of smaller vehicles. Um, so yeah, I would I'd be all for potentially relooking at licensing in general. As it relates to operating a vehicle on a road, and, and again, I my worry there is, you know, people die on e-bikes, so we regulate the e-bikes. No thought of, you know, should we be looking at size of vehicles? Should we be looking at um, more enforcement? And then, you know, one final thing here, Micah. So clearly, living here at Encinitas, I have I have some purview into the streets and areas where we've had issues. Um, so this year at Encinitas, we've we've like many cities have adopted a pledge of Vision Zero, meaning. We have a goal to get to zero um, pedestrian and, and cyclist deaths um, in in our city. Um, unfortunately, this year we have lost two people now: um, the, the the kid on the e bike, and we we also lost a, a young man um, on on New Year's Day to a, a pedestrian death. That was a hit and run death. 
um, there was no camera enforcement on that intersection. Um, and so, and you know, there's no, no suspects for who, for who killed that, that, that young man. Um, in both those instances, um, the, the, those two, the two, the two, two people died in what are the two dangerous basically areas of Encinitas, um, from a, from a traffic violence, traffic collision perspective. This is all data again that you can pull up. I'll pull up the graph that could show you those two intersections as being the most dangerous. Um, we have technology, Micah, it sounds like where you live, you actually enforce with technology, with, with speed cameras, with red light running cameras. Um, why don't you, why don't you think more people are calling for adoption of technology, simple technologies that we have in place today? These aren't theoretical technologies that we know also prove are proven to basically reduce traffic violence. What do you, what do you think is stopping, uh, cities from, from adopting this much faster? Yeah, where I live, you know, red light cameras and speeding cameras are just the norm. You know, people understand that if they're going to speed, if they're going to go through an intersection, they're going to get a ticket in the mail. That's just how it works. And I think it works very well. In the US, obviously, it's, you know, a lot of this politics is more local. There's a lot more decisions made locally. And I think a lot of people see this issue as, as not pertaining to them. You know, they think, yeah, okay, I speed, but I do it safely. You know, I would never hit anybody. And so when they see it, that way they think, well, I don't want a, a red light camera. I don't want speeding cameras because I'll get caught speeding safely kind of thing. You know, again, it's this idea of inertia. It's what they've been used to and they don't want to see this, this change, especially if it affects them in a negative way, instead of seeing it as, you know, for a greater good that if everybody would just drive safely, everybody would be safer. And unfortunately, I, I think it's just so hard to change minds in mass. I'm not sure how we best do that. I think, you know, a lot of your efforts are going in the right direction to help do that. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, it's a fascinating challenge here. It's, it's, it's frustrating to hear how, like where you live, um, in, in Israel, you're in Tel Aviv, right? Micah? Yes. Yeah. Tel Aviv and, you know, talk to friends and, you know, throughout Europe and cities where, you know, they just don't really deal with this issue, they have speed and, and, and traffic cameras and they, you know, they're, they're surprised to hear about the number of collisions and the high speed collisions and how this happens, um, because this is kind of a solved problem. Um, here at Encinitas specifically, uh, you know, just, just to highlight in 2020 cameras voted out on a three to two vote, the leading, the kind of leading council person, Joe Mosco, who actually uh, pioneered this, you know, came out and said, you know, even, nothing has changed and hundreds of people are still getting these ridiculous fines. Um, this is when Moscow was referring to the idea that people get a $400 ticket for running a red light. Um, and of course, now we're dealing in that area where they pulled out these cameras with people that have, have died. So it's very sad to see. I will say to our council, I, I credit the people that are still actually on the council, both the mayor, who's Tony Kranz now, now the mayor was a council member at the time, and then council member Kelly Hines, both voted against. This. So there's like, they're, they're still actually, they can make change and we hope they do um, because, it, and I, I will, Give them both shout outs they're, they're avid on their e-bikes so um you know i know they want uh, a safer place to be um, and then finally you know the, the interesting about the new york times article with a cherry pick there was there's actually two other very serious collisions in san diego the week they they reported on um those the electric bike accidents involving two people um one was a 56 year old woman that was killed on an electric bike and also a 32 year old man was in critical condition um, in San Diego. One, the woman that unfortunately died was killed by a Chevy Silverado. The other, uh, person that's in critical condition was hit by a Ford F-150, which, and again, I'll put up the chart, um, are the two deadliest vehicles in America, uh, by, by quite a stretch. So the Chevy Silverado is the most deadly vehicle in America. 
think basically every year for the last five or six years, and then Ford F one fifty is right behind it. Um, sort of interesting because the Ford F one fifty is actually a better seller than the Chevy Silverado, but a lot of people believe it's the way the Chevy Silverado front end is is basically built. It's hard to see over it, um, and so therefore you just kill more people with the, with that vehicle. Um, and again, Mike, it's just interesting to give a Pulitzer Prize winner in the New York Times writing about this. They don't cover two other deaths in you know within a fifteen mile radius of where the death did occur, maybe because it's not a, it's not someone underage. Um, but again, it's just like it's so easy to see the people at the highest part of the leaderboard: a Chevy Silverado, a Ford F one fifty. No one talks about those. No one talks about regulating that. Um, do you see that changing anytime soon? Do you see that actually we start to we do anything to to take some of these more deadly what what are clearly more deadly vehicles off the road on top of doing things like like camera technologies? I think the only way this changes is if enough people want it to change. You know, it's it's got to be a a grassroots activism issue. It's got to be people going to their local city councils demanding that that laws change, that traffic laws are enforced, that safe cycling infrastructure is built. Um, that that uh, safety is taught to drivers as well as e-bike riders. Anyone who's on the road is trained properly to use that road and to share it in an equitable way, the way it was designed to be. Is it going to change? I don't know, but I know the way that it can change. Um, yeah, that's that's a great point. So then, finally, you know, if what what's your advice to to parents? I think you know to to people that have kids that clearly, you know, I, I grew up riding a bike. Um, you know, I'm sure you did too. I think, you know, most kids do. Um, what's, what's your advice to, to parents now who are reading these articles in the Times and other places, hearing of these terrible collisions? And of course, I, we should also highlight people, there's terrible collisions in cars all the time that don't involve e-bikes. Um, but, you know, what would your, your advice be to parents who are thinking about getting their, their child an e-bike and, um, you know, want to, of course, allow them to ride like like they might have growing up? Sure. Um First of all, I am incredibly pro e-bike, and I think that that any kid who needs a way to get around, that e-bikes are a, a wonderful form of transportation. And they also free up parents that aren't then required to you know leave work early, pick up their kids, chauffeur them around, that sort of thing. At the same time, I think that parents need to make their kids painfully aware of the danger, not the danger of e-bikes, but the danger of all those distracted drivers out there that can and will hurt them if they're not aware of them. And unfortunately, a lot of that uh, impetus for safety is thus put on e-bike riders to protect ourselves from that danger on the road. So I think that it's not something that could be glossed over. You know, kids, teenagers need to be aware of this. Um, there's also, you know, a personal decision that needs to be made by parents at what age they think that their kids are responsible enough. I've seen, you know, 10, 11, 12 year olds that are great responsible e-bike riders. And I've seen 40 year olds that should have their e-bike taken away. You know, so I'm not going to say that there's a certain age that this needs to be done by, but there is a, a significant level of responsibility here. Um, and the last thing that I would say, and this might sound kind of strange, but uh, to anyone, especially younger riders that are new to it, that wants to get into e-bikes, taking some form of motorcycle training is incredibly useful. When I got my motorcycle license, it made me a better bike rider just because it taught me so many things about the mechanics of two-wheeler operation that just don't come intuitively. You know, we all know how to ride a bike, but there are so many other uh, sort of safety issues to being aware on the road that I learned through uh, Motorcycle Safety Foundation classes. And even watching YouTube videos on, you know, motorcycle riding and motorcycle training can be incredibly useful to anyone who is on a two-wheeled vehicle. 
I love that. I, that's a, that's so good. And, um, you know, I've, I've been trying to get my motorcycle, going through the motorcycle license process myself, um, more just out of curiosity. I'm still not totally comfortable on a motorcycle, but I, I do, I agree with that. And I think that's actually a great, great piece of advice for, for kids out there as well. Um, well, Mike, I appreciate the time and, you know, I goes without saying, but we appreciate all the work that you do and the, the content that you create. I think it has a very big impact. So thanks for coming on the show and, and thanks for taking some time with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, James. Okay. Okay.